0: And this episode of the A List Podcast with Asherah Blakely and Kwani A. Lunas is brought to you by BetUS.com. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the A List Podcast. This is Shira Blakely with Kwani A. Lunas. What's and up, Kwani?
1: A Al Horford podcast, as you mentioned. You
0: Number 42, sure. baby. The Al Horford experience. The love is still there, man.
1: Wait, while we're here, I know I was going to do this later on in the podcast. I'll revisit this conversation. But if you are free on Saturday, what what date is that? Saturday. October 2nd. October 2nd. Tell
0: them what's going down, In Quentin.
1: Boston, the greatest bar. Me, Sherrod, Anna Horford, another Horford, will be live doing a podcast recording for CLNS Media. If you can get there, it's free. We have people registering on Eventbrite. So if you can... Get to one of our Twitter pages. Feel free to do that and register ahead of time. But if you just feel like showing up at three o'clock on Saturday, please do so because it's gonna be a fun time.
0: I'm hoping Anna can being big bro with her just 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 for hey, kicks you and don't giggles. Know. <laughs> just for kicks and giggles. Big bro, right. may, he he may have some free time. You know, I mean, that's he, a tease. You never know.
1: Go up you and know. find
0: out. <laughs> I'm just saying, big bro might be in the building too. You never know. You never know.
1: I know you were also in person for the first day of Celtics training camp. How much did they even allow you to see first of
0: all (laughs) (laughs) well well first of all they've got the umbrella of us still being in kind of this still trying to figure out what is the new normal and that's going to limit in in many respects just the access that media is going to have whether it's boston brooklyn minnesota it doesn't matter Uh, so so that you knew there was going there were going to be limitations uh so we didn't see much uh to be honest with you but i've learned through going to far too many of these damn first day of, of practices to know that there's little that you can really kind of harvest from that first day other than guys are cracking a sweat. You, you're looking to see who's the guy that, that you know, is clearly out of shape. Uh, who's yeah. the guy that looks like, you know, he could run out t- tonight and run like the Boston Marathon two, three times and still barely crack a sweat. Who's in great shape? And, and so we didn't really get a full sense of what that looked like. But the guys that we're most concerned about, guys like – robert williams iii we got a chance to see him during media day and he's definitely added some muscle to his body and he joked about it saying you know the the Sixers they got andre drummond i mean i gotta put some meat on these bones uh so he under he understands all too well the fact that he has to definitely bulk up uh and you look at guys like like tatum who is definitely uh, a little bit thicker now now the photo that we've seen of him where he's just i mean the guns are flexed like maximum flexed he ain't mm-hmm. that, that ain't that. That's not Jason Tatum. And a relax. Yeah. He's not that big yet, but he's definitely, uh, he looks a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. And uh, the thing about Jason that I like, he has a very, he, you can tell something's different about him this year at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, yeah. And I think that there's a, there's a quiet confidence that he's always had, but now it's a quiet confidence that's wrapped around an expectation of greater leadership that he has to provide. And I I think he understands that. And, you know, he, and I, and I, we, we talked about that and I asked him about that and they, you know, he he started to talk about how, you know, leadership, you know, everyone's leadership is a little bit different. And I asked him about just how kind of how his leadership has evolved uh, from the time where he got here to where he's at now. And I I think he's going to be fine. I, I think the big thing with Jason Tatum is just figuring out what does he have to give the game for this team to be great uh we know he can score and do all that other stuff but he has to be able to be the one presence that guys can lean on if things get a little squirrely and he's not going to be perfect he's going to have bad games he's going to make bad decisions all great players do that michael jordan did that kobe did that the list goes on and on but to me the key for him is how do you bounce back are you going to have the kind of resiliency to make mistakes not let those mistakes wear wear you down and bounce back and and lead this team and and that to me is going to have to be a character trait that he's going to have to exhibit often he's going to have to be able to impact the game on nights when he doesn't play well i could certainly see tatum having some nights where he goes like four for 19 but that fourth shot just so happens to come with three seconds left and it's a three ball and they win and it's like yeah he played pretty crappy shooting the ball but damn he made the one that mattered most he's gonna need to get to the point where he can be able to withstand the rough uh nights and still be able to impact the game and deliver when they need him to most
1: social media is only a slight screenshot so to speak of who a person really is but when you mention that change in demeanor from jason tatum we follow. i follow this guy brett hampton i'm sure you've met him through me actually mm-hmm he's a great photographer and he's been following Tatum and been working with him over the last two years. And he actually did a a recap video of Tatum's golf tournament. I think it was the Nargo golf tournament for Jason Tatum's foundation. And there was a difference again, just a, a screenshot, a snapshot, but there was a difference, I think, in the demeanor of the way you see Tatum, even on the golf course, interacting with the people that were there to support him. So again, grain of salt, but, to your points for you to kind of emphasize it, that definitely does show that he has this sense of maturity, I would say, when it comes to the way he's approaching this season, which obviously for him to be a leader on this team is going to be very important.
0: It it is. And I think also a part of it, and and if we're just being honest and real about it, he's sick and tired of hearing people talk about his damn leadership. He's sick and tired of people talking about how all he can do is score. He can't lead. He can't do this. Ignoring the fact that, he's played with some pretty damn good players who, because of what they have done and what they've uh, accomplished in this league, you almost by default find yourself taking a step back to those guys. I mean, mm-hmm. how are you going to look rolling up on Kyrie Irving, talking about I'm yeah. the leader? How are you going to look rolling up on Al Horford two, three years ago? I'm the leader. Gordon Hayward, I'm the leader. Come on. Those guys have multiple, all you know, collectively have, have been significant high impact difference makers in this league and Tatum. You know, you've been nineteen for the last four years. So right. how are you how are you gonna roll up on somebody? He's being tired like that? Be nineteen. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and this is this is how you. Make Can
1: that be our forget. episode highlight? That's the the highlight the headline.
0: Absolutely. He's tired, he tired of being nineteen. This is it. There's no more nineteen after this. But he's <laughs> carrying Damn. himself. He's carrying himself the way you would want a young leader to do. Uh, he is uh, again. He's saying all the right things, and he's also not saying the wrong things. He's not talking about, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I'm just going to basically do what I do. I lead by example, but the, you know there's things that have to be done and said away from the limelight that I will do and say that you may not know about. And sure. that to me... Is what I'm talking about. That's to me is what's going to have to be his style because to me that's that's Jason Tatum's leadership right there. It's not in your face, but it has to be effective. And I think he's he's taking him a little bit of time to figure that out in part because he's got so many other significant strong voices in that locker room. But his voice, whether it's with his words or whether whether it's with his actions, has to speak loudly this year.
1: Jalen Brown is back. He's looking healthy. He has braids. What was your takeaway from... <laughs> I had to take that in there.
0: <laughs> he looks healthy and he got braids. Um, yes. Well, the thing about Jalen is that of all the guys in this team, I worry... I don't really worry too much about him in terms of once the games begin. If he's healthy yeah. enough to play, he's going to make an impact. Uh, and he's going to figure out ways to make an impact, whether it's scoring, whether it's you know, being a, a good defender whether it's just setting screens, he's just that guy. And he consistently is better from one year to the next, which is something I I can't say with confidence with a lot of guys. Some guys just have, you know, back-to-back years where they're good, but they're not really all that much better. He's appreciably better every year. And I think this year will be no exception. Uh, But the one kind of, you know, asterisk in all that makes is is his health. Uh, The the wrist is what – we've talked about as far as whether he would be able to go at the beginning of training camp or not. And that doesn't seem to be an issue. Uh, He did mention on media day that there was still some swelling in in that wrist. I anticipate that we will see him have some days off in training camp. Yeah. It, it, where it won't be a situation where he's re aggravated or injured. And it's just that they're going to be, I think a little bit cautious so that they don't put him in situations where he could potentially re aggravate that risk and just cause unnecessary due harm when, again, it's the freaking preseason. It shouldn't be that. It's not that deep. You know, you kind of know what you're getting with him. Uh, I'd much rather see Aaron Neesmith and Romeo Langford mm-hmm. out there playing a lot of those preseason minutes. They need the reps. Mm-hmm. Jalen,
1: he's And we briefly talked about Robert Williams. Ime Udoka mentioned how the determining factor for him playing will be what we mentioned with Jalen, just keeping him healthy. Right. What do you think is going to be the approach with training camp and then obviously early on in the preseason for Robert well, William
0: training camp? He's got to just an addition to the obvious elephant in the room, which is stay healthy. He's got to make his presence felt at both ends of the floor. I don't think we're at a point now in his development where you could just be happy and content that he can block shots and he can do a little bit of rebound now he's got to knock down shots on offense, and he showed signs late in the season being a lot more comfortable facing the basket than i thought i think a lot of us thought he was if he's able to continue to evolve into that type of player someone that can knock down that that elbow jump shot if you decide to sag off of him then he becomes someone who's not only impactful for this team but then I think you can start throwing him into the conversation as the second or third best center in the East because uh, Joel Embiid is his, by far the best. No one is going to touch him. But, you know, I think Bam Adebayo is probably the second best right now, and Bam is a guy that is very good, very versatile. But Rob has a lot of just, I think, physical attributes and assets that if he can stay healthy and if he can just kind of put all the pieces together, he could be in that conversation. He is not there now. He is not there now. But he has, I think, a lot of the tools that give him the potential and give the Celtics hope that he could be there sooner rather than later. And now that he ain't got to worry about no bread, because they broke him off this summer. They broke him off well. Uh, He's good. But the one thing, you know, it's it's funny because I asked him about that on media day and he said something I thought was really interesting. And I thought more and more about it because it didn't really register right away. He talked about how, you know, it's good, but it's also motivation to, to, to do more and get more. And yeah. I think he was initially, I took that as he was talking about get better and, and things like that. But then I started thinking about like, wait a minute. <laughs> he think about getting like the super duper penny. He talked about getting that cheddar as well as getting better, because he's he's, his, his contract is as incentives in it that will you know, put him in a very, very good position. He's going to be close to $50 million when all said and done. But when you look at his age, you look at his skill set, if he can just stay healthy for two or three years, when it comes time to get that next deal, he could be someone that we're talking about as a max player. Uh, it would there's nothing about his game that, that that would shock me if let's say in two or three years he becomes a guy that's averaging 16, 17 points, 8, 9, 10 rebounds, couple block shots, shooting about 60% from the field, and is in that conversation as the next best thing to Joel Embiid. Uh I think he has that type of upside. And and the so do the Celtics, which is why they again they were not hesitant about investing in him, knowing that if he can really reach the levels that I think he – Rob thinks he can get to, and the Celtics think he can get to. I think they'll be they'll be comfortable paying that money because he'll be he, he will, at that point will have earned it.
1: So we've talked about the players, the, the, at least the, the highlights of who we think will stand out during this at least training camp. But Coach Ime Udoka, it was reported that he tested positively for COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. He was in quarantine for training uh, for media day and was available again right after the next day for training camp. But how do you think, we're looking at the landscape of the NBA and the fact that I think as of right now, 90% of NBA players are vaccinated. And I should note that he is vaccinated, uh, Coach Uduka. But how do you think this is gonna affect the season seeing how controversial this whole conversation has continued to become?
0: Well, let's just, just kind of look at the macro uh, perspective of this real quick, because it's an issue that's affecting the entire NBA. You're yeah. talking anywhere from like 40 to 60 or so players who are not vaccinated or at least have not had one shot of, mm-hmm. the t- of, of vaccination in them. And, and that is something that it's raised a lot of issues, uh, a lot of concerns. And there's a definite uh, – I wouldn't say the league is divided right now um, because the players who are vaccinated are still clearly in support of their teammates and other guys throughout the league who are not. But, you know, and I I spoke with a former player about this who who has been involved in past with the Players Association, very prominent within that group. And he pointed out that right now, it's all good. You can support your boy who's not vaccinated. But when it comes to you start losing games, when he's – and those are games that he is not available – then it's going to get a little dicey. Then you might start seeing a little bit of the, you know, it, it won't be Ubuntu at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, you, it, it just won't happen. So that to me is, is what I think is making this all so interesting is that at some point you have to wonder when will players who are in support of their teammates who aren't vaccinated, when will they start feeling a little bit funny about that? One of the guys that, that, that I uh, that spoke to about that was Marcus Smart. And you know, Marcus said he is vaccinated. Uh, but when you listen to him talk, and he and he explained this in, in good detail, it wasn't necessarily because of a lot of the reasons that most people give, which is you know to uh, you know to to not allow their loved ones to potentially you know catch the, the virus and, and things like that. No, Marcus hmm. gave a number of reasons, but he started off talking about how you know it's never a good feeling when someone's telling you what you can and cannot put into your body which is, is one of the stronger. And frankly, there's a lot of legitimacy that to to the anti-vaxxers who feel that way. Uh, I, I, I think most of us can, can understand that. But Marcus then started talking about basically he, he, he got the vaccine because he didn't want to deal with the BS. And he kind of elaborated on that a little bit later where he was talking about how he doesn't want to be, you know, a distract, not a distraction. He doesn't want to be him potentially missing games, cost the Celtics wins in the season. Mm -hmm. so, My takeaway from Marcus was that he got the vaccine more than anything else to make sure that he gave the Celtics, his teammates, the best chance of being successful and winning games. And and to me, uh, again, everyone has their own reasons why they get the vaccine and don't. Marcus is about winning, and we talk about that all the time when we talk about Marcus Martin and and, and some of the guys. But this, for me at least, it really cemented how – badly this dude wants to win um that something that and and again i i thought when he opened up talking about how you know you don't like it when someone's telling you what to put in your body or what or that to me was a signal that okay he's not really wanting to do this but he's going to do it anyway because it's in the best interest of those around him and that selflessness is why a lot of people get the vaccine in the first place because it's not necessarily to benefit them but to benefit those around them and Marcus, you know in his own way i think is looking at it that way Uh, But it's this it's going to be an issue for the Celtics if they because they've got at least a couple of guys who aren't yet vaccinated. And Brad Stevens made it pretty damn clear where he stands on the matter where he said, I hope that we'll be at 100 percent. And they, you know, Brad, you know, he kind of talked about just the benefits of of getting vaccinated, which, again, they've got a lot of medical people who talk with the players uh, Mm -hmm. who maybe are on the fence about that, or unsure if they want to do it or not as to why uh, from a medical science standpoint, this is a good idea. But well, it's, you know, and I, and I wrote about this in, in Bleach Report. It really ha- is a, a kind of, there's a divide or um, between race, religion, and freedom of choice. When you talk about folks who are trying to weigh whether to do this or not. Um, yeah. and, and some of the, and, and, you know, we'll, you know, probably the most prominent voice who's been in that whole conversation is Kyrie Irving. Uh, and, of, of course, it would be Kyrie's luck to be in the one city that has cracked down harder than them in San Francisco. have been the really, uh, the two city, New York city, and and, and San Francisco, as far as limiting what athletes can do who aren't vaccinated, uh, which is why Kyrie in his, in this first press conference of the year had to do it remotely because he, he couldn't be in the building because of the laws in the state of of New York and in the city of New York, uh, to be specific. So it's, it's something that's not going to die down anytime soon. Um, which, I, you know, I wish we were talking more about the Bucks trying to repeat and, you know, the Lakers mm-hmm. with the, you know, the, the championship team from 2011 instead of the, two, I mean, I mean, it, I wish we were, but we're talking about a virus, which is a serious yeah. thing. And, and, and it's definitely something that is worth discussing, but I just wish that it was more of a moot point at this point. Uh, and hopefully we can get the games going and guys can stay healthy and we will just, it will become less and less of an issue. But right now it is absolutely uh, a talking point in every single team's training camp
1: before we move on you want to give a shout out to our
0: sponsor you know i always want to do that I, i'm surprised that kwani that you brought that up you know? folk, wow <laughs> kwani is taking this rajon rondo point guard thing on a podcast today very seriously <laughs> i am i am I'm trying totally to get impressed teams. She's trying to get their rings, exactly. And BetUS.com, they are—they certainly they have a nice ring to it. If you're trying to win some money, uh, listen up, sports betters. Uh, I'm here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Uh, I only endorse them, and it's because they've been in the game for 25 years. They—they they are OGs in every sense of the word. Uh, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity. They got your back. Uh, and also don't forget to check out the offers that they have. You can get up to 200% bonus uh, with the uh, the code is BSJ, uh, 200, up to 200% bonus with the uh, promo code being BSJ. When you sign up at BetUS.com, don't forget that promo code BSJ. BetUS.com, that is where the games begin. And fortunately for us, we are in training camp mode when the games are going to be beginning very soon, which I think is awesome. Uh, but before the games can begin, as you know, jobs got to be won. Absolutely. You got you, you to ball out. <laughs> you got to get it. You, you got to get that job. This is where the players play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm thinking about the Celtics. And there's a here's the thing about this team. I think that they have a pretty good feel for who their top eight, nine, 10 guys are, but there's still, there's a, there's a pecking order that has yet to be established. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the camp battles, the one I'm most interested in is the backcourt. Yes. Now, how do you think that's going to play out? Like who, who do you see as like, basically who do you think are going to be the top three guards? Cause there's, there's like four, like I look at, I look at smart. Mm-hmm. I look at Richardson. I look at At Jabari Parker I look at at, Jabari with the bigs okay but I'm looking I'm looking at smart I'm looking at Pritchard I'm looking at Jay Richardson I'm looking at Dennis Schroeder now Mm. among those four somebody ain't gonna get run somebody is going to do what you and I will be doing a lot of this season which is watching the Celtics play How do you think that whole guard situation is going to play out?
1: Honestly, I think they could all make the cut because I was looking at the 20-man roster right now. And I don't see any of the guards that he has now really getting cut, to be honest. I think it's going to be up to the lower tier players that just made the cut literally today that are going to have to prove themselves in camp. And I know that you don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen, but... As of now, I would personally, I'm looking forward to that preseason game on Monday just to see what that roster is looking at and and what the substitutions are, who he's put, Ime's is going to put in, just so we can see how they're working together as a unit. Because as of now, all of those guards, when I look at the way they play, at least from the, you know, whether they've been on the Celtics or other teams, I'm not really ready to cut anyone specifically, but what about you?
0: No, I, I think I think all those guys will make the team. I, I'm not worried yeah. about guys getting cut. I, I'm worried about guys getting any playing time. That's why okay. I'm more concerned about that. And and I think about to me, I I, I love what I saw to Peyton Pritchard this summer. I thought he yeah. did exactly what you want an up and coming young promising point guard to do. And his reward for balling out this summer is re-sign Marcus Smart, yeah. bring in Josh Richardson, okay. and add Dennis to the mix. Then it's the minutes to the mix. And so yeah. to me, I, I don't know where he's going to play. I, I don't know how he's going to beat those guys out and get minutes unless Yudoka decides to go with a four, you know, a four guard rotation, which I think is a, it's possible. But when you have a guy like Jason Tatum, who can be your initiator, when you got a guy like Jalen Brown who can be the initiator, and you've already said Marcus Smart is going to have the rock in his hand more now than ever. I I don't know how this is gonna, that's going to work out for Pritchard. I, the one guy that i'm um i'm a little bit uncertain of is 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 josh richardson i think he's going to be good but josh is a real streaky dude um he can i mean he can have stretches where he's like the he's an all-star caliber player and others where he completely disappears and that to me is where Pritchard could potentially work his way into the mix, and because the one thing I do like about Peyton Pritchard, for the most part, he's pretty consistent. You kind of know what you're getting out of him. You're not going to get 25, 30 points from him, but he's not—he's going to knock down some open shots for you when he gets them. Uh, and he showed, I thought, as the season progressed, a greater confidence in taking those shots and being comfortable—you know—making plays for himself and making plays for others. So I, I could definitely see him sneaking into you know one of those top three guard. Uh, rotation spots but i don't think it's going to happen from day one because i I just think he's dealing with some really good guards ahead of him and they are from the school of og and the one thing about schroeder smart and Jake and josh richardson that they all got in common they dogs right they grimy they scratch claw bite they they are those dudes and pritchard is a good player but he's not cut like that and that's no disrespect to him because i love the way he plays and i love the growth in his game but it's going to be hard to outperform those guys because they play so damn hard
1: kind of random but i was actually kind of shocked to see that schroeder and smart are on the same team because in my head they never seem like two people that would get along because they're so similar
0: you know what they're similar because they're both real dogs in a good sense yeah, but I think we saw last year what happens when you only have one dog in the in the kennel, in you know, in the, in the kennel. In the kennel. <laughs> yeah, and that was Marcus. I mean, he he did yeah. not have any dogs to run with. Dogs want to run. Dogs yeah. want to fight. Yeah. They want to scratch. And Marcus, I don't think really had guys who were pushing him in that particular area of his game, which I think he is exceptional at. Mm-hmm. Josh Richardson is is, is going to get at you. Schroeder is going to get at you. And Marcus is going to embrace that because that's who he is. That's what he wants. You know, I I remember just talking with players and they would, you know, they would mention to me about some of the battles between him and Wanamaker in practice. And Um, if you watch Brad Wanamaker play, you can kind of understand why him and Marcus could play well together. and could push each other. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how those new guys help a guy like Marcus Smart, who, again, because he's going to be having the ball in his hand more, He's not necessarily gonna be looking to shoot as much. So his impact is gonna be on his playmaking and his defense. I don't think he's going to score as much as we've seen in the past. And I don't think it's because you know, you know, Ime has some edict on Marcus to take fewer shots. I think Marcus is just gonna realize, well, shoot, Tatum wide open, pass him the rock. Jalen running a break, bounce pass. Let me go back and, and lock up this, lock up the top score. All right. And if I don't do that. Josh rich and, and jo- I got Josh coming in here too. Yo, Josh, oh, let's double take this fool. Get this rock. and get the run going. I, I, you are going to see, I think a, a much more engaged Marcus Smart Cause he's got some guys who, again, they get after it. Uh, and, and that was something that I, I know that when Brad was putting this team together, I think he realized that I can't, I'm not coach. I need to craft a team that's different in ways that my last couple of teams weren't because Brad if you think about it, you know, they, they went for the, they got the Maybach and they got the, they got a lot of the luxury type t- players. We talk about Kyrie and Gordon, you know, and, and Kemba. And now you already got a couple of those in the fold that you develop with Jalen and Jason. Right. Now you got to get some of them SUVs. You got to get some of them trucks. <laughs> you got to get some of them, got to get some of them hard driving trucks that can take you through the mud and not get you stuck in the pits. They got so they got some trucks. They got some heavy-duty trucks right now. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them play because, again, I, I think that they're going to be very much like some of those early teams that Brad Stevens coached that were just physical, beat the crap out of you, and at the end of the day, they win by four. Uh, I cool. think they're going to have that type of team. And Ime just listening to him talk and just remembering him as a player, that was kind of how he st- stuck in the league. He was a gritty defender. Uh, yeah. He wasn't giving you 15, 20 points a game. He was trying to lock up that cat and limit him to 12 points who normally gets you 20 to 25 points a game. That was kind of his, his style of play. So I I think the the roster that the Celtics have assembled and their new head coach, I think is a perfect alignment to work and be effective. Now, is that going to get them 50, 50, 55 wins? Probably not, but it's going to make them competitive. And that to me, for them, if you talk about competing for a title, first things first, you got to compete. And I think they've got a roster now that is more, I think built to do that than, than we saw the last couple of years. And definitely hungry to do that for
1: sure. Looking at the rest of the league, we've talked about how the vaccination is going to be one of the bigger storylines surrounding, not even just the last week, but maybe just the rest of the year. But looking at the landscape, we Michael Porter jr. He just got his max deal in Denver, five years worth as much as 207 million. Damn! Yeah. With incentives. If he, doesn't get to those incentives. It'll just be a, a rookie extension worth 173 mil. But what do you think about the fact that they decided to extend his contract?
0: Well, I, you know, I, I think for, for Denver, first of all, um, it's a ton of money um, for a guy who has been came into the league injury riddled. Uh, and he he's talked about that. Uh, and just how, you know, there were, he, this was a guy that before his injuries uh, in, in his one year at Missouri, pretty much everyone thought was going to be the number one pick. He was projected. He was that good. And when you look at his size, his skill set, it's no surprise when, when people, you know, see him, value him that way. But he showed this passion when he's relatively healthy, how impactful he could be. Uh, now, obviously, he had a couple of brain cramp moments during the playoffs where he wasn't where he's was supposed to be. Uh, but the talent is undeniable. And if you are looking at the just the landscape of the NBA, and you're the Denver Nuggets, you realize you're going to have to have a big three. You got to figure out who that is. You've got the joker, the MVP. You, you know, you got Jamal Murray, who's a really, really good scorer. So who's going to be that number three guy and they believe it's going to be Michael Porter jr. Uh, So it makes sense for them to go all in on him. Uh, I hope they don't regret that. I hope he's healthy enough to play because if he is, that contract is going to be like most max contracts. You're going to see him be more than uh, capable of living up to that contract. But I, I, I'm nervous about guys who come into the league with injuries like he did, particularly when you're talking about someone who is not. Um, he's a good athlete, but yeah. we're not talking about like Jalen Brown athlete. We're not talking about Zach Levine athlete. He's a good athlete, but he's not on that that top, top yeah. tier of an mm-hmm. athlete. And when you have physical injuries before you really get going, I always worry about your clock running a little bit faster till you get to that point of decline i always feel those guys it's there's a period of time where players all players are going to regress at some point but when i think when you come into the league with very significant injuries i think your clock runs a little bit quicker and you reach that point a little bit faster so that's my one big concern but if you're talking sheer talent he's worth it And, and and if we're being 100 about it you in denver people ain't trying to holler at you people i mean De- denver's like denver's like that that she all right but she is all right over there and she's, she's all right <laughs> over there but denver denver's all right yeah all right and, and and if you're denver you need to lock him up because to be candid yeah. you're not going to find a better player on the free agent market that's going to want to come to denver <laughs> so yeah. It makes a lot of sense for you to try to lock him up as as long t- in a long term deal as possible. and And for him, it it really um, I think there's a part of him that's that's pleasantly surprised that they came through like that because you know he was not supposed to go as low as he did to Denver. They got him mm-hmm. at the at the end of the lottery, yeah. and even with his injury riddle issues coming into the draft, no one thought he would go past number ten. He, in fact, I was listening to him talk on. Um, J.J. Reddick's podcast uh, not that long ago. Shout out to J.J. Reddick, who is, is among the land of the retired, man. Awesome career at Duke. Uh, great NBA career, not going to lie you. He exceeded all my expectations because when I saw him at Duke, all he did was catch, shoot, <laughs> wait, bye-bye for folks as he went down. Showed he was a much bigger, better player than I did. So many awesome things as a player. So wish him the best of luck in retirement. But the, the thing about, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is that, no one expected him to go past the top 10. And he was he talked about on the podcast about how he was told by a number of teams that was gonna happen. But he he explained that there was supposed to be like a, a one last workout, and I guess he had some type of physical issue. And basically, shortly before the draft, he he physically couldn't do anything. And so they're looking at him like, damn, I'm gonna invest the top 10 pick in that dude. But Denver was like, Yo, shoot, hey we good. We take it. Look, look, listen, we see this Maybach and we see it's got a flat tire and we see it's got a ding. But you know what? We good. We, how much we got paid? Oh, yeah, we definitely taking this. And so they felt from the jump that they were taking a, you know, I wouldn't say damaged goods, but certainly not quite as a mint condition ready to roll out onto the road. But in time, could be a very impactful player, and I think he will because he mm-hmm. he's a tremendous scorer, and I think he's getting better defensively. Because uh, you know he he had to me, he had what I like to call turnstile itis when he came mm-hmm. to the league. Where <laughs> when it came to def- defense, he was a turnstile, right. and it was and it was bad. I mean, it was really really bad. But I think now he's not great, but he's certainly significantly better than he was when he first came to the league.
1: What's interesting about his deal, I was looking at the other people in his class that also signed to contract extensions, and he's in the class of Luka Doncic, Robert Williams III for the Celtics, Trey Young, and SGA. So to see that he was is considered at least that valuable to the Denver organization, I think speaks a lot to them believing in him enough to say, as long as you can hit these, I think one of his um, stipulations is making an all-NBA team and for them to push him in that way just shows like, all right, we see you as valuable, but you're going to need to do a little bit more work to really step up and prove to us that we made a good investment.
0: Yeah. And and he, you know, he's talked about that before, about how, you know, there's a different kind of a uh, edge to him based upon where he's at. And the fact that Denver wanted him when no one else did, right. uh, there were 13 teams that had a shot at getting him. And Denver was the first one that said, we want you. Yeah. You ain't perfect. <laughs> you banged yeah. up. You can't help us right today, but we want you anyway. Right. We want you. And, and as a guy like him, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure as he's, you know, he's sitting there on draft night and he's looking at, okay, eighth pick, ninth pick, 10th mm-hmm. pick. Here we go. Oh, damn. They took the him. 11th pick. Damn. They took – and he's probably thinking like, wait a minute. This can't be happening to me. I'm my, I'm MP, right. I'm MPJ Jr. <laughs> what is going on with – I'm like, what, what the hell is happening here? Yeah. And when Denver – scooped him up, I'll bet you that one of his first emotions was, I'm going to make these fools pay for passing me over. Uh, Mm -hmm. I am going to torch every last one of (laughs) them. And I I respect that. I respect that pettiness. As you know, I'm a big fan of petty. Uh, I'm a big fan of players who got a little petty in them. And he – I think he's a good player. Uh, But to me, everything hinges on his health. Uh, And if I'm Denver, I'm – you know, I want to get as much bang as I can out of him while I can because you – no player's career is is guaranteed, but when you've had the kind of injuries that he's had, uh, you really want to put him in position to be great sooner rather than later. And I think he's in a good situation to be that guy.
1: Yeah. Well, shifting away from basketball because you put this in the rundown, and we're gonna talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about?
0: I. Know. You
1: don't remember what you put in the rundown?
0: I, I know exactly. About- I know exactly oh. what I told him. And I, and the nine charges. Yes, yes. I, I know. Ex- yeah, we're gonna yeah, talk so about R. Kelly. Kelly
1: is found you know, guilty of racketeering bribery sexual exploitation all of it now i would say that's your generation so i really do want your perspective on wow I, that sounded so rude that was kind of like
0: <laughs> that was that was that might have been like the rudest thing Kwani has said in the last how, 24 hours
1: did you see the video with not 24 hours yeah, when Hart is talking to don Cheadle and he's like oh dang i didn't know you were that old basically so I feel like I just did it and I apologize.
0: <laughs> wow. I, I, I didn't take it that way until you just put it that way. But damn, Kwani. Damn. So but don't, but let's be real Kwani. Don't, yes, like don't act as though you have not heard an R Kelly song. No, no, day. no.
1: That's the, the reason why I mentioned that is because, and again, it's not to like, hat like, I don't want to ever just, you know, accuse all groups of one people of being of the same mindset, but I will say the generation before me, Definitely not everyone, but there was a strong group of people that were unapologetic about R. Kelly and everything that he did. And the reason why he was able to get away with so much is because of the influence that he had on the generation before me. Again, I know that his music has seeped through multiple generations afterwards, but I'm just curious from your perspective, what you've seen and how you maybe heard people talk about R. Kelly over the last few years.
0: Here's the thing about R. Kelly, and and, and we're, we're talking about him specifically, and, and obviously, you know, him, Russ, you know, he's found guilty. of like nine different charges, and mm-hmm. it's going to be – they haven't the, – the actual jail time hasn't been determined yet, but it will be –
1: He's going to jail. He's he going in to jail. He's
0: going to be there for a minute. He will not be found. But, but a lot of the things that he did, uh, I, I can't really attach it to a generation because if you go back in the 50s and 60s, I mean, you had mm-hmm. Ike Turner – you know, who, okay. who did some ill stuff. And mm-hmm. you, you can start going on and on and on about this. Every
1: generation, really.
0: Every generation has had, like, musicians, uh particularly male musicians, who mm-hmm. mistreated women. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's... It. So that I, I don't give R. Kelly that exclusivity. Uh okay. But here's the thing about R. Kelly, and, and the w- reason why I wanted us to kind of get into it a little bit. R. Kelly... For all the the bad that he's done, he's done a lot of bad, and it's great that he's going to be punished for that. He produced some bangers, yes, like eleven number one so, you know songs on the, on the top one hundred. Uh, his music catalog, I, I think, is worth shoot probably like 20, 25 million dollars, something like that. So it's not so. What I my thing is this: mm-hmm. how are those who were cool with the music? Able to still be cool with the music? Can they separate the two? Can you mm, separate this art from the artist? Ass, can you separate this dirty ass going to jail MF mm-hmm. from this amazing musical artist? And that, to me, is the challenge that a lot of people have. Now, full confession: I'm one of the people. I yeah. hate the stuff that he did, mm-hmm. but the but I can't deny the fact that he he produced some of the greatest songs mm-hmm. of the of the of the 90s, 2000s, and and, and so on. Yeah. It's hard to separate those two. I, and I, I wanted to put that to you because seeing as though that wasn't part of your generation, apparently, right. uh, but, 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 but full disclosure, your generation got to say, oh, we're going to be hollering up. I mean, yeah. I gonna bring, I'm not going to well, bring Chris Brown right. up into this. No, I, I actually Brown- was
1: going to bring, I was going to bring, it. <laughs> and you're right, my generation is definitely responsible for what is now dubbed as cancel culture. And honestly, quite frankly, I do struggle with it because a lot of times I struggle with separating the art from the artist. Like, I'm not going to lie, Step in the Name of Love has played randomly at times, and I'll forget who right. produced wrote that song, and I'll just sit there singing, and then people are like, oh, what's wrong with you? Why would what's you... What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's hard to, it really is hard to separate the art from the artist, and I understand that this person does not belong in the public. I belong, you know, getting any kind of credentials afterwards, but I, I agree, it is frustrating, but I also... that point and frustrated when i see that we pick and choose who we're deciding to cancel in different moments and that's why i think chris brown is a great example because he did what he did to rihanna that was reported who knows if he had other issues of domestic abuse with other women but the fact that he's you know running freely doing his thing still creating music right now i do wonder what is the standard or how are we upholding people to what we think is justice and again how are we going to continue to separate, either separate art from the artists or continue to loop them together, but make sure that we're staying consistent in the way that we judge people, so to speak. And so I've been frustrated by that because it's, it's a difficult conversation. And a lot of times you can't even, I, I'll also say, I feel as though if I'm being quite honest, my generation is one where you can't just be open and honest about a lot of things anymore when it comes to trying to have that conversation, for example about the art and artist, because even if you're just trying to play devil's advocate, I know people that are willing to just shut you down immediately and not even listen to the other side. And I think that's where we've gone so far off. And I understand that sometimes there is a right and a wrong side, but at least have that conversation and be willing to listen, because how are we going to bring people to that right side, so to speak, if we're not even willing to listen to whatever their logic is and maybe convince them as a result of that. So. Yeah. That's where I'm at <laughs> with the millennials. Well,
0: you madame millennials. But but part of, <laughs> uh, another part of it is, is that we, we've lost the ability to agree to disagree uh, yes. on a lot of things. I mean, like, and, and, and that, I think, has really kind of overshadowed a lot of the conversations and a, a lot of the, the just the drama that we have as a society. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about music, but I mean, shoot, we're seeing it right now in the NBA with the, you know, with the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you know they they're clear the NBA has taken a clear stance that look we want all y'all yeah folks who work with the athletes to get vaccinated mm-hmm. but the players we're not going to make that mandatory and because
1: that, of the NBA yeah right,
0: and the players association said that is a non that is a non starter conversation yeah. and that to me again you've, you 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 want to feel as though there's a compromise out there to be reached uh and I, I just don't. The NBA wants all its players obviously vaccinated. I don't think they'll get it. I think yeah. there will continue to be at least some percentage of, of players who will not, who just don't want to want to yeah. deal with that. Yeah. And it, 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 like I said earlier, there's there's so many layers to this that that are just kind of really just colliding with each other. When you talk about race, you talk about religion. I know Jonathan Isaac, who plays for the Orlando Magic, he has been a strong man of faith yeah. his entire NBA career. So when he talks mm-hmm. about not wanting to do this because it's faith-based, mm-hmm. it, it it resonates a little different from him. Someone who's had this long and lengthy track record yeah. versus somebody like Andrew Williams, who first of I heard early. about him in religion was when right. he was trying to get you know trying to get the exception to, to mm-hmm. play, and that doesn't really cut it. So uh, th- there's a, there's a lot of lot of stuff out there that I, again I just wish we could find a better way to agree to disagree on a lot of matters, yeah. but this. This is one where there really is no, there's really no gray area. I mean, you either are going to vaccinate or you're not. Um, But I I will say this. uh, The whole issue for me comes back to selfish or unselfishness. And if you're doing it for selfish reasons, then it's wrong. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it for unselfish reasons, which is to help others besides yourself. Yeah, I can understand that. So Mm -hmm. I'm listening to both arguments, but there's one side where I, I feel as though this is really about you. Yeah. And another side where it's a little bit bigger than you. And mm-hmm. which it is. And so again, I everyone, you make your own decision, but I think NBA players, you know, they they need to get this right. And uh, there's a number of them who have gotten it the right. There's some I think haven't. So yeah. But unfortunately
1: we can't change the world. Not today one episode at a time. It, you can change our world by subscribing if you haven't done so already. Oh,
0: you are on your Rondo today. I really am. is on her Rondo. <laughs> wow, well done. Thank you. Well done.
1: So that I think did. it's time to pub our event one more time, though, because I mean, at this point, if you listen this far, you know we're having an event, an event on Saturday, Saturday,
0: right? October second, yes. three 2. to six thirty. Three to six thirty at sit. the greatest bar. The greatest, not the, the greatest bar
1: place. that you like. That is the greatest. There's actually a bar called the greatest bar in downtown Boston. Downtown <laughs> Boston,
0: it's good spot, good drinks, good yeah. company. We'll have a good time, and we'll and we'll have at least one Horford. family yeah. member remember there. There'll be at least no, one.
1: one, I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: Claire Horford will be there for sure. And you just never know. Al just may will be There might be the two
1: Horfords actually, but they, <laughs> neither of them will probably be named Al. <laughs> you
0: just never know. I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that anything and everything is possible. KG taught me that. Yeah. Everything, anything is possible. So. What
1: and, have you been up to before oh we gosh. close out? I know the podcast is running long, but again, if you made it this far, you clearly like us.
0: Clearly, clearly. No, just I mean, you know, stuff for bleach Report. I, I wrote about the just the the, the whole vaccine uh, issue, uh, and specifically that, you know, players right now who are vaccinated are clearly supporting their teammates who are not. But again, the, the issue, the question that I, that I address is how long is that going to hold up? Because uh, right now is is it's great, but is this is it really sustainable for them to be cool with their teammates who are not vaccinated over the course season? of the season? We didn't
1: right. even have a vaccine.
0: Right. So that so there's there's that, and you know usual stuff at Boston University. Shout out to my kiddies. Uh, make sure you get those homework assignments due. I believe it's next week. Uh, yeah. You all know the drill. You don't get it in time. Not What's good. Not yeah, I- good. That is not good. And and doing stuff <laughs> for Ebony magazine as well. And uh, also the Bulletin, uh, Facebook's new uh, silo there, uh, fullcourtpress.bulletin.com is where you can find a lot of my content. uh, And that content will be expanding now that we are in training camp mode. So uh, check that out, fullcourtpress.bulletin.com, where you'll see more of my content. Right now up there, there's just kind of looking at the guard situation, Uh, Mm -hmm. just, you Mm -hmm. know, I call it roll call, as in R-O-L-E call. I see what at, there. Exactly. And just kind of look where guys are going to be stacking up in the backcourt. And, and there'll be another uh, segment of that coming up fairly soon, looking at the bigs as well. Uh, so just keep it busy, Quanny, which I know you can relate to because you always got something going on as well.
1: For sure. And to your point about your bulletin, the easy part about it is that it goes straight to your Gmail or whatever email address you sign up for. So you don't have to actually go on Facebook. You just – Get it directly to your inbox and get some insight. But the way
0: that you do that is you got to be a subscriber. You got to be a subscriber. Once you subscribe, it goes directly to your inbox. Mm -hmm. uh, And that will continue for as long as I'm doing it. So there you go.
1: Yeah. So for me, I've still been doing the Hub today. Actually, I'll be on twice this week if you're happening. You happen to be listening. Twice to get Two out of three times in one week. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, that's going to be exciting. I'm actually doing a hit on Thursday, which is going to be very much Brady's return to Boston related. So if you have time to tune in to NBC 10 Boston at 11:30 AM, then please do so because it should be a fun time as we look forward to the prodigal son returning to Boston. And then as always, NBC 10 Boston.com. I actually have a 10 questions guest lined up for next week, Boston college, Oh, goodness. alum running back Heisman finalist Andre Williams. Nick Williams, yeah, oh,
0: geez, yeah,
1: my guy, he'll be joining us next week. So, if you have a chance to listen to it live or catch it later, you can find that on NBC10boston.com. I can't 10. hate on Andre, I can't hate
0: yeah, on you Andre. He's a, he's a good dude, it, it <laughs> yeah, a good, yeah. he was a really good college player. Um, usually, I can crap one a, on a BC Pigeons, but I, I can't, uh, you can't
1: player. not with Andre, I can't,
0: I can't. I can't. So yeah another good episode in the books the al horford yeah. edition well, Check. well
1: the timing was perfect al horford returned his sister we're doing a show it's called what do we call it the eight happy hour because we just combine yeah. the names of our two podcasts
0: wonder twin powers activate we could be like those super friends that ennis Cantor was talking about at media day
1: oh my gosh i forgot you this see- guy's back <laughs> we should put him on the pod though to be honest because he's hilarious
0: well, we're going to have to edit out what you just said about it because he'll be like, wait, what does she mean by Olga? He's back.
1: I love it. He knows I appreciated the content. That he now, brought he, can, be we'll he yeah. can be a
0: bit yeah. much. He can be a bit much, but I'm okay crap. with it's
1: that. It's not like I'm talking
0: crap. He knows. He's the only guy that we spoke to a media day who didn't want to leave when he was done.
1: Of course not. I mean, the first thing he done. said was, we're,
0: we're, we're, we're done? And I'm like, yes, sir. We, yeah, we kind of are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which... I love that about him, though he's a yeah. good dude. He's Honestly, good dude. it's
1: hard to find players in NBA that actually want to talk to us, so it is a blessing to have people that are willing to engage.
0: Right, and, and with him specifically, just the things that he is about off the court, mm-hmm. which I, I think is again, as as good a player as he has been throughout his career, and and again, you know, he was a number three pick same year as Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been one of the top offensive rebounders in, since he's been in the NBA, so he has a clear skill set that allows him to stay in the league, but. As good as he has been and as solid as he's been in that regard, off the court, he's been amazing. Uh, Really, He's really tried to be an agent of change. Uh, When you talk about social justice, you talk about just trying to bring about greater equality for all, uh, Mm -hmm. not just... Uh, you know, folks in, in his particular sector of the world, but just for yeah. all people. Uh, yeah. Much respect to Ennis Cantor. Yeah, and much if you
1: don't know his full story, definitely look it up because it is one that is inspiring. When you it is get someone to be on this platform, there's a reason why he does what he does, and I would highly suggest doing a little deep dive. In we need to,
0: yeah. Let me let me see if we can make that happen. Cool. Yeah, we'll see, Let's what see what if we get Ennis Cantor. <laughs>
1: But that's a wrap on the Al Horford podcast for Avalon Blakely. Another member of the A-list podcast. (laughs) We'll hear you. You'll see us this weekend or hear from us next week. Thank you for listening.